0: It's been two months. Something Private is back. I'm Nicole, your producer and host. Season 3 is all about being extra. Being extra vocal, extra curious, by revisiting old themes, going deeper and exploring beyond. Something Private has always aimed to fill silence with conversation, and this season onwards, we're going to be extra loud. Our last two seasons started off with an intro that sounded a bit like this. Welcome to Something Private, a podcast about everything related to the vagina. The vagina? Wow. She's really bold. Tongue in cheek. But reflecting on it, that little slogan does exclude some of our allies, whether it be women born without wombs, people who identify as women or queer allies, and we want to do better. Let me explain. We set out wanting to explore the literal, physical vagina, because there's just simply so much stigma around talking about it which leads to a lack of understanding. But it's difficult to talk about the physical without addressing the figurative, as in the gender issues we experience in society today. And that leads me to think about intersectionality, the idea that no one issue stands alone. It's all very much interconnected. On that note, We want to celebrate Pride Month by sharing our space with our allies, by kicking off our third season with an episode on what it means to be an ally. I want to share the story of my cousin, Raja. Raja is very dear to me because we spent our childhood together. Our mothers are sisters and as children, we were very, very close. Raja was assigned the female gender at birth. Today at 25, they identify as non-binary or genderqueer. This is their story.
1: I'm Raja. My pronouns are they, them. I'm 25. Broadly, I would identify as queer, because my gender and sexuality, it's really quite fluid, so queer is like a good umbrella term for me. In terms of sexuality, I kind of just like to say that I'm gay, or gay in several different directions. I would call myself agender, which translates to without gender. I could still use the label transmasculine even though it's not really it's not really something that I identify with these days I've been on hormone replacement therapy like taking testosterone injections so that label is kind of useful for describing that transition but by itself it doesn't really describe my identity I was born and raised in Singapore up until I moved to Brisbane to be with my partner like five years ago. Raised Catholic, my mom's Chinese, my dad is Sinhalese from Sri Lanka for those unaware. I knew from a pretty early age that I wasn't straight. Like my first crush on another girl was when I was like nine or ten and like by the time I was 12 I'd come out to my school friends as bi. And I wasn't, I don't think I was actually bi at the time. I was like a really big lesbian, but I was kind of like hanging on to the hope that, you know, maybe I might be into guys. Mm. Maybe that'll happen. Um, no, wasn't into <laughs> guys. I, I don't really remember my sexuality being much of a problem at that age. It did lead me to question my faith quite early, I guess. Mm. I think eventually I felt like I had to choose between... Um, like being who i really am without guilt or like believing in a god that wanted me to burn it wasn't until like my early 20s that i kind of let go of that feeling of being wrong and shameful so it, like it wasn't um you know necessarily like i felt like i was i was being sinful or anything after, like, that many years, but there's still that underlying feeling of, um, shame.
0: I I think it's difficult to, like, be okay with something that, you know, you had grown up knowing was, like, a norm, you know what I mean? It's hard to, like, undo things that you were told, right?
1: Oh, yeah, you mean, like, um, being Catholic?
0: Like, when you are told, like, these values are... supposed to be carried with you throughout your life and then you do something Mm. that's different. It's difficult to unlearn.
1: Yeah, especially when like you've been learning it from such a young age, it kind of really forms these like core values to have your like, like this identity, like these things that you can't control, to, to feel like that's, you know, evil somehow. Yeah, that was really hard. Like, I was never able to conform to, like, stereotypes of what being a girl should be, right? Mm-hmm. I just, I never felt like a real girl, and I, I didn't know why. Like, I just didn't understand the, the trends that girls were into, and I didn't like boys. I didn't know how to braid my hair. And, of course, I also had, like, physical characteristics that kind of made me stand out. Mm-hmm. Sometimes kids would make fun of me for, like, you know, so-called masculine traits, like... Mm. Having um, a lot of body hair and a deep voice, and like I had a mustache before any of the other boys did, it felt like even even if I wanted to kind of explore that femininity, I was already locked into this box of not being feminine enough. Mm. So it's like if I if I try to be feminine, am I going to be made fun of as well? Like you know, mm. this it was like a no win situation.
0: Mm. I just want to say I always. I always, like, knew, like, when we were younger, like, that we were different. Yeah, I probably
1: always knew, too. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and I, I, always... I, I, I
1: really I really thought you'd be the other gay cousin.
0: <laughs> I'm dying. I mean, I'm... <laughs> okay, so it's tough, it's tough. I really like men. I don't know why, I'm just... Look, always... half the
1: time, I understand where you're coming from.
0: No, I wanted to say that, yeah. like, I don't know why. I, I, I think the shock, when, when you told me that you were attracted to men I was like why are you going backwards it's like <laughs> I'm sorry <laughs> but I think as a child I never saw it as like um, you're different or that we couldn't get along because like we, we were so like different I always had a good time
1: I remember being very very close as children mm-hmm. do you remember when we wrote Lion King fan fiction?
0: <laughs> no are you fucking serious? I, I think
1: it I think it I'm serious. I think it was I think it was it used to be the study. I think it's Nadia's room now. And there uh-huh. was like a desktop computer uh-huh. and we had like we, we were sitting there with the uh like Microsoft Word or whatever it was at that time and we were like putting in clip art and all that stuff. I'm I swear. dying, <laughs> this I do remember I have at a all. very vivid memory.
0: <laughs> I think like the most vivid memory I have is like Harry Potter full stop. Like that's it.
1: Yeah, yeah. I remember us. I think this was at my place when after we saw the first movie and we went home and put the brooms on the floor and we were like (laughs) putting our hands over it and going up. (laughs) Wow. You would have, what, been like, I don't know, seven or eight? You would have been like six? Five or six? (laughs) Yeah, we were really young. We were really young. I didn't really have issues with my peers um there weren't that many other queer kids I guess there was one gay boy and I think he got bullied he's very like effeminate like in a way that you can't help so I think he caught quite a bit of shit for it When I think when I was like 14, I made this like offhand comment in class that like implied that I was attracted to girls and my teacher sent me to the counselor. And it was like, you know, what if like, what if I was more interested in girls instead of something? And she said, I think I would be very concerned and send you to the counselor. It was something like that. Yeah, I went to the counselor and the school counselor and she was like super Christian, used to be a moral education teacher. I don't know what the criteria is for like being qualified to be a counsellor but I I don't know that she should have she should have been allowed to be a counsellor. Like um, she made me like write this list of cons of being gay and then like started talking about how she can't accept it because of the Bible. And like it it was just really weird. And then when I was um, 15, I got into my first relationship with um, another girl in my class and she had a much more like conservative Chinese background and she didn't like really identify as queer or bi or anything like that when we got together. So I think when the school found out that we were dating, they maybe thought I was like, this corrupting lesbian influence on this (laughs) decent Chinese girl, you know? Yeah. So, um, they- they told us, basically, um, you have to break up or we are going to tell your girlfriend's parents. And, like, we thought, okay, that would be terrible, because, like, you know, they're really conservative. That wouldn't end well, so we pretended to break up. And then, um, they called my mom anyway. (laughs) <laughs> so like I didn't, I never got to come out to my mum. Even though she kind of always knew, like she would sometimes ask me. So uh, do you like girls? And I'd be like, no. <laughs> why? Why would you ask me that? Yeah, she she asked me that like a couple of times, and then um, yeah, and then my my math teacher, who was the head of student welfare, Mrs. <laughs> if you're listening, <laughs> fuck you. You can cut that out. Sorry, I I, I, I have it's a lot of resentment. Yeah. yeah, she called my mom and was like, do you know that your daughter is in a relationship with another girl? And my mom was like, real MVP. She more or less told her to like, fuck off. She was like, yeah, I know. And I, I don't think that's, you know, your concern. My teacher was trying to get her to like, send me to counseling or come to the school to talk about it. And my mom was just like, no, I don't think that's necessary. Because, you know, I think a parent's job is to support their child no matter what. So yeah, that, that actually went really well. After that happened, me and my girlfriend at the time, we were just kind of like sneaking around, like, you know, avoiding each other at school and then, you know, going to lot one or whatever afterwards and like, like we'd be holding hands and then she might like, you know, see someone we know and she would just like let go of my hand and that kind of thing. And that, like I understood, but it also really, it really hurt. It, it was, it was not a healthy relationship. It was, it was probably quite painful on both ends, but I was like, this is my first relationship, and I legit thought that if we broke up, I would never find another gay person in Singapore. Like, I, I really thought that I thought I would never find anyone else. After the O-levels, uh, we were at like a class chalet kind of thing, and sh- she got a call from her mum because the school had gone ahead and told her parents anyway, they just waited until after the O-levels. So then we broke up for real, and then kind of got back together and broke up again. (laughs) There was a lot of fear of like, being caught, and the repercussions of being caught, and yeah, I guess feeling like we were doing something wrong. It was worse that it was, you know, these adults that were making our lives so difficult. Also, because like, I knew that this was only because we were both girls, like they didn't care about other couples. Like they were free to do whatever they wanted, the way they would, it, like kind of, um, mess with our lives like that. It, yeah, it 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 really did feel like a violation.
0: Hmm. Because mm. I think yeah, you are you are absolutely right. There are like straight couples that do really fucked up shit but nobody seems to, like, care. I don't know why. <laughs> yeah. yeah,
1: there was a guy in my class who was, like, you know, he he, he and this um, other girl in my class were dating, and they had, like, a, a, like fights and stuff, and then he would go off and, like, staple himself, and, like, <laughs> the teachers didn't do anything about that, but, like... <laughs> I'm lucky that my mom was so, like, my mom's amazing. She's so accepting. She's, like, always been supportive of me. But if she wasn't, like, who, who knows what could have happened, right? Yeah, it was when I was in poly when I started, like, you know, um, making more friends and also making online friends and being more exposed to these, like, different identities and experiences that I didn't know existed. So I was probably around, like, 18 or 19 when I started questioning my gender identity. Because, like, before that, it never occurred to me that I didn't have to be a boy or a girl. So like I never thought that I might be trans because I was like, well, I don't I don't think I'm a boy, so like that means I must be a girl, right? And then I was like, you know, maybe I'll try it. Maybe I'll um, start using gender neutral pronouns, they them. And it, yeah, that it kind of clicked for me. like it felt right, and it kind of made sense why I was so uncomfortable my entire life with trying to fit in conform to femininity.
0: Something Private is a podcast produced by VFM. Subscribe to us on Spotify, iTunes, Google Podcasts or wherever you tune in to your favourite podcasts to get notified first when we drop new episodes every week. I want to give a shout out to some really amazing resources that have helped me on my journey to becoming a better ally. So first up, New Narrative does an amazing job in covering the history and the struggles that this community faces. And the big question of what's next, beyond the annual equal love celebration, Pink Dot. Hackin' Unicorn by Yusheng Tio has not only been an extremely prominent platform representing the queer community, but has recently done a really good piece on the price of being queer in Singapore slash LGBT rights in Singapore. Sayoni SG, a volunteer-run organisation that works to uphold human rights protections for queer women, consistently do great work around research and advocacy. Do check them out. And finally, Queerzine Fest and My Queer Story SG for Power Through Storytelling. But of course, there are so many more platforms that I may not have mentioned here. If you guys think that there are resources that are worth sharing about on something private, please let me know. I'd be glad to give them a little mention. As usual, feel free to chat with me on Instagram at somethingprivatepod. That's at somethingprivatepod, P-O-D. Drop me a DM or if you'd like, you can also drop me an email at nicole at somethingprivate.fm.
1: I started identifying as non-binary, using they-them pronouns. But this was only really, like, online with my friends who were already, like, you know, aware of this, if not, like, non-binary or trans themselves. But in the outside world, I was still being read as a girl. And, like, I did try to, you know, come out to my friends and explain it to them. But, you know, when you know someone for such a long time, it, it really does... Take some getting used to, and um, I really struggled with that, I think, because I finally knew what it felt like to be recognized for who I was or what I was, but it wasn't happening in real life, and it just, you know, it started to get, you know, it, it got increasingly difficult to know to have realized what my gender identity is and to have no one recognize that i was really resentful that like i was constantly being misgendered i was like i was uncomfortable with my body and how people were perceiving me and eventually i decided to start presenting as male and like you know i cut my hair i bought a binder which is you know what you wear to like flatten your chest And I started dressing more masculine and uh, moved to Australia, (laughs) which was, you know, that was my plan to begin with, because I was already with my partner long distance at the time. But it was also that, um, like, my online friends were in Australia, and it kind of felt like I really needed to get away and be with people who could accept me for who I was, so yeah it was one year after Polly that I moved here.
0: Was that like when things like started to get better for you um
1: it wasn't like it it wasn't really easy at first and I was trying to get on um hormone therapy but there were there's there's a lot of like loops you have to jump through I was trying to get on it in Singapore as well but um it just you know, it didn't happen for you know various reasons so then i was trying to do it in australia but there's waiting lists and referrals and like i would talk to like the uni doctors and they would have no idea what i was supposed to do so it was quite difficult to access the um treatment that i that i needed you know it took over a year before i managed to get onto hormone therapy yeah i, I remember being really socially anxious because just like constantly thinking about how people are going to perceive me or like having to, um, you know, talk to my lecturer or tutors and be like, hey, this is my preferred name. Please don't, you know, read out my my um, the, my the birth name um, when you're taking a role and that kind of thing. Um, there was quite a long time when I just like, I would avoid drinking water if I was out in public because I didn't want to use the public restrooms because mm. I didn't want to, you know, get assaulted in the male restroom or something or, like, have someone call the cops on me in the female restroom. I don't know. Like, I, I was definitely, like, catastrophizing, but, like, the anxiety was quite real. Uh, there was one time... Um, like, I got yelled at for using the disabled bathroom. So ever since then, I was kind of just like, yeah, I'll just not pee in public. It's fine. It's fine.
0: I'll just dehydrate then.
1: Yeah, who 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 needs water Who and avoid getting UTIs?
0: <laughs> it's tough. How did you manage to get over that? Or, like, how did things get better?
1: I knew that, like, I shouldn't be putting this much emphasis on passing. Being perceived as the gender mm. that you want to be. Like, I was trying to be, like, you know, male passing. Like, there, there are whole like guides on the internet on how to pass. Like, how to pass as male, how to pass as female, all that kind of thing. And it's it's kind of horrible because, like, you know, I want to be liberated from these expectations. And yet it feels so necessary to to um, fit into this box. It took up so much of like my time and energy. It's like thinking about how I should be walking or talking, my posture and um, you know, the, the amount of thought that would go into okay, I'll wear this shirt because it makes my shoulders look broader and it kind of like hides the wideness of my hips or like having an eating disorder to and like trying to lose more fat because um you know fat is seen as like a feminine trait like i wanted a more like masculine androgynous frame and yeah it was just really exhausting achieving that level of you know i can go out and people will just assume i'm male and not have to like kind of scrutinize me and figure it out because when i was in that sort of very androgynous, people would really, like, look at me and try and, like, figure out what gender I was. I could see them, like, checking for, like, tits or whatever, you know? So um, not having that sort of scrutiny was probably helpful. I think eventually I just stopped thinking about it because I was passing so well. Like, I started growing, like, facial hair and stuff, so I didn't really have to think about it. I don't know if there was necessarily, like, any event or trigger or anything that helped me get to this point. It was more like over time, I was just, you know, more comfortable with my body, my gender, and being able to express it in different ways. It wasn't until after I transitioned and was passing as male that I felt comfortable experimenting with like makeup and stuff like that. Like Mm. I never did that before. So it, it, it probably is like maybe counterintuitive that I would get more in touch with my feminine side after transitioning but I think that it gave me that's a bit of a sort of like secure place to start branching out and exploring different things.
0: want to take a short break to give a shout out to organizations supporting LGBTQ communities. So these are just some platforms that I have found really helpful and very impressive um, in the few months that something private has been around. I guess some of us are mutuals on Instagram, hey. Um, yeah, in the uni LGBTQ does an amazing job at consolidating resources for mental health. The T Project has really great resources that extend to helping trans people figure out anything they might need help in could be medical could be financial uga chaga for their counseling resources and of course u equals usg for providing resources on persons living with hiv and challenging the stigma that these people face i'm giving Caitlin from u equals you a shout out special one because she appeared on our podcast last season with her boyfriend marcel and they do amazing advocacy for the lgbtq community Okay, so I know my accent might be a bit difficult to understand, especially for non singaporeans So what I'll do is I'll consolidate all the resources that I've mentioned across this episode and post it on a story on my Instagram at the end of this week. Hit us up at somethingprivatepod. That's somethingprivatepod, P-O-D. Or if you like, you can drop me an email at nicole at somethingprivate.fm. talk a bit about like um, your relationship with the rest of mm. your immediate family like your mom and like your group of friends how how was that like for you were there and was there anyone that you chose to like distance yourself from
1: well I think when I moved to Australia or maybe even before that I did make quite an active decision to I deleted my Facebook because there were all those like you know There's so many years of like pictures and Mm. that kind of thing. I did lose touch with quite a few people. And not necessarily like deliberately, but just because, you know, I just happened that way. So recently I have kind of tried, like kind of made a bit of an effort to reach out to people that I used to be really close with or... Even not that close with, but that I missed talking to and that kind of thing. So when I've been back, I try to um, catch up with people in Singapore.
0: But was there any resistance or like negativity in terms of accepting you on the various times that you came back?
1: No, I I think the only thing is that like, like there are people who still haven't gotten used to my pronouns and stuff, and like you know that's fine. It doesn't really bother me these days. Like I know it takes getting used to. I'm more just like the fact that people still want to be around me, I appreciate, you know? It's like, you know, I'm 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 not gonna be like pissed off if Akong doesn't use his, doesn't use my pronouns or whatever, right? Like <laughs> I'm just glad I just get like, to, you know, get up from the table. bring my spouse over.
0: <laughs> I'm leaving. <laughs> no, but I-, I wanted to say I think that and you can definitely, like, dispute me, but it feels as if, like, the whole family on our side has been, like, quite accepting. I
1: have not encountered any sort of, like, weirdness around it at all. Wait, can you, Except you tell? For when, when your dad came and, like, touched my beard. That was a bit weird, but it was nice. It was nice weird.
0: Wait, so, in the entire family of, like, 20 people, my dad was the only one who made you feel uncomfortable.
1: He didn't make me feel uncomfortable. <laughs> it, it it was definitely a decision that he made. <laughs> no, I, I thought it was quite cute. I mean, for, you know, growing up my whole life, I was like, oh, I'll never be able to bring my partner to Chinese New Year. It was like you know, they're never going to be able to accept it. Or, um and then when i started transitioning and i was overseas i was so afraid of coming back because i looked different like I, I i wouldn't be able to hide that right so i just didn't come back for a couple of years for a few years i just didn't come back for chinese new year and then it got to a point i was like you know this is this is my family and this is my last surviving grandparent like yeah and then when i did show up it was like what the hell was i so afraid of
0: I think- It's really, like, interesting to me because we think that, you know, like, in Singapore, the LGBTQ community faces a lot of, like, a lack of support from, like, people of the older generation. Do you think that it's because, like, you are a family member, right? That's why they were more accepting, you know?
1: You know, I really don't know. I honestly don't know how I got this lucky. (laughs) Because, like... I mean... I, I... When I talk to other people, like, other queer people in Singapore, they, they they don't have stories as nice as mine, you know? Like, I really got very lucky. And I don't know why our family has been so accepting, but I'm very grateful for it. I always kind of, like, forget what it's like, you know? And then I go back and I talk to, like, my gay friends. I'm like, oh, what's it like here? And they're like, oh, you're so lucky you got out.
0: Mm.
1: <laughs> so... Yeah, I I I am actually very lucky.
0: Yeah, I but, I I um, wanted to say, going on to that point that you know, like you're so lucky you got out. I think that not everybody may have the privilege to be. Oh in the yeah, situation. it's privilege <laughs> <laughs> in the situation that you're in now. And I think, like with with that in mind, like I mean, although Pride Month is ending, it doesn't mean we suddenly disregard everything and then wait for next year in June to restart the conversation, right? From here on, what more can we do as allies of the LGBTQ community?
1: Yeah, I think it really does start with, like, you know, the small things, like, you know, when someone uses gay as an insult, just, you know, maybe bring them up on it. Or, you know, showing up at the Pink Dot Rally, that kind of thing, being involved in, like, discussions around decriminalising 377A. It definitely is very difficult, I think, in Singapore to really definitively say what you can do to make it better. Um.
0: I just want to say that this silence is excellent because <laughs> I don't think this is... It, it's not just, like, for um the LGBTQ, like, movement, but it's also, like, very prevalent in terms of, like, the other social issues that happen in our society, right? Like, gender yes, issues. Yes, thank you. <laughs> no, really, like, racial issues, you know? Like, these the, these past few days, I've been questioning, like, what what the fuck can I do? No, like, what can we do? And I think, like, as a very, as a citizen of a very practical society, I always ask myself, okay, I yes, I am read up in a certain way. I know mm-hmm. not to say certain things, not to use certain slurs, right, and to be an active, like, hey, don't do that um, racist thing, whatever. But, like, mm-hmm. in, in a more practical approach like how can i change like the system right i think that's always the question and i
1: i mean yeah i guess that's kind of the thing like it's not just about gay rights and queer liberation all that it's you know i i really would like to see solidarity between communities Mm. and that's something we've been seeing a lot of with um the black lives matter movement and you know just so many people standing up and voicing support for this movement like that that's why i think i find it really hard to say um this is what you should be doing as a queer ally Mm.
0: Mm.
1: i feel like it's more like this is what you could be doing as a human being for other human beings i think just you know starting to speak out is a really big step and i mean obviously there's things like you know donating to organizations that you support but yeah it really is putting in the effort to listen and amplify voices and also you know talk to the people around you Mm. because I find that's that's always been the most effective thing for me in terms of like change like I may never be able to change the world but like I can have conversations with people around me and you know just share my point of view and see where they're coming from and why they think the things they do. Yeah, I, th- I think it is really important to have th- those conversations. I think the last thing I will say is that, you know, the history of gay rights and, you know, gay liberation has always been about the struggle. And, you know, it's, it's not about, like, having rainbows at Pride and cops marching at Pride and that kind of thing. Like, it's, it, you know, there are, like, gener- like, there's a whole generation of, you know, queer people who have lost so many of their friends and loved ones to AIDS and that kind of thing. And I think it's really easy even, like, you know, for people in my community, the the younger people like me, to forget about that struggle and the kind of the things that our um, forebears have had to fight for for us to have the rights we do today so yeah I think remembering that struggle and how it's not just about gay rights it's about liberation for everyone yeah it's very hard for me to to tie it down to just one thing because I'm like it's all connected you know it is
0: it really is I have to say
1: we are all suffering under capitalism, <laughs> and all cops are bastards. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: And again, like, I, I have also, you know, growing up in Singapore, I've been like, what the hell can I do? Like, you know, what actual difference can I make? So it is hard, but it's, you know, you just got to take it one step at a time.
0: Um as I am recording this podcast, still in my room because we are slowly easing up on quarantine measures. I feel very excited to be back. This season is going to feature a lot more interesting profiles. We're going to cover a range of really interesting topics revisit things that we have been talking about previously, a lot of things that you guys have been asking about forever. If you like our stuff, keep sharing it online with your friends and give us a shout out on social media. You can find us on Instagram at somethingprivatepod or, you know, if you feel like dropping me an email, you can reach me at nicole at somethingprivate.fm. That's all for today's episode. And I also just want to address that um, the podcast launch comes at a really a really coincidental time frame where it's the elections. I hope you guys still find it in yourself to tune in um, to something a little more light-hearted, a little more personal and intimate as something private. And yeah, I will see you guys next Tuesday for the new episode.